We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. It's a beautiful day where I'm at, and I hope it is where you are as well. The sun is shining and the spring flowers are opening up, filled with a lot of magic and mystery. So, yes, relationships. As human beings, we are social creatures, and we need connection and interaction with other people to be healthy, happy, and whole. But why are relationships sometimes so difficult and so confusing? And does it have to be that way? I say all the time that our relationships with others are mirrors for how we are in relationship with ourselves. So if we're not in a healthy, compassionate relationship with ourselves, our relationships with others will reflect that back to us, often in painful and challenging ways. In psychology, it's a well-known fact that the foundation for our relationships are established while we are very young. Our pain and dysfunction from childhood is perpetuated and played out in our adult relationships. This isn't about making parents or teachers or school or anyone bad or wrong, because no matter what, there is no protocol for perfection. And even if our parents and everyone did do everything right, the human experience by its very nature is filled with unavoidable qualities such as separation, mystery, abandonment, and disappointment. Something I know to be true is that each and every one of us is doing the very best we know how given our level of consciousness. We pay forward and play out any unresolved issues unless and until we take responsibility and do our personal healing work. The big question is, How do we do that? How can we take personal responsibility to create more fulfilling and empowered lives? Well, that is what I'm going to be talking about today with my beautiful, conscious, wise, and refined guest. I'm so happy to be spending time with Angelica Singh. Angelica is a body-mind educator and counselor and specializes in repairing painful patterns of early attachment dynamics. Descending from a long lineage of Indian physicians and healers, Angelica has integrated her knowledge and wisdom from a wealth of experiences and education and integrates her profound gift of intuition to support others in healing and awakening. Angelica has a master's degree in spiritual psychology, along with extensive training in pre- and perinatal birth trauma, attachment theory, and self-regulation, biodynamic cranial sacral therapy, somatic experiencing, yoga, and meditation, as well as many forms of body work. Through Angelica's own profound exploration of personal trauma on all levels and a persistent commitment to the divine, she developed her own wholeness and lightness of being. She holds a strong yet fluid container providing accurate mirroring, compassion, and presence with her clients. Angelica honors each person's resiliency and gifts and facilitates with extraordinary reverence. It's an absolute joy and pleasure for her to be of service, and it's my absolute joy and pleasure to be sharing Angelica with you here today. Angelica, thanks for making the time to have this conversation. Thank you. I am just uh, beyond 
thrilled to be sharing you with our friends here. You and I have had some really uh, very interesting and incredible conversations. And I know this is going to be a very challenging question for you to answer. But just to get this conversation started, just to get this party started, I'd like you to attempt to share with me and our friends, how do you do, what do you do, and how do you do it? Well, basically what I do is, and how I meet with people or connect with them is in their nervous systems. So most people experience um, some level of anxiety or use caffeine to go up or alcohol or something to come down or sugar to um, stabilize their moods. And basically, I'm working with people that um, are learning how to regulate their bodies and regulate their thoughts and their emotions and basically how do they find balance and a sense of presence in themselves. So that's... Well, I like something that we have talked about, how you can approach things from a lot of different angles and and directions. And you've talked about um, approaching it spiritually, emotionally, scientifically, and how there is so much information available um, scientifically through studies and such, how this is, is a very tangible science. I thought that was really, really interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, the latest neuroscience on attachment theory, um, there's a lot of new science that supports some of the oldest traditions, so the mindfulness traditions, um, some of the Buddhist practices, and it's really about coming into a sense of wellness and a state of neutrality in your beingness, which is, they're finding, opens perception, and what we'll Mm. experience as individuals as is an opening of possibility when we come Mm. into neutrality. And I think that's such an interesting subject to consider because, you know, as a younger person going through my, my drama and the roller coaster of life, neutrality and equanimity wasn't something that I really, it wasn't on my radar. You know, I was wanting, I guess, passion and excitement. And I remember we went to, the, to one of the same schools, University of Santa Monica, and uh, the professors would talk about equanimity being the goal peace being the goal. And I thought that was an interesting notion. And that certainly has become my intention, serenity and peace. And it does open up higher levels of intuition and perception. So I'd like like your thoughts about that. Well, the challenge actually, I think for most people is that we are often addicted or very identified with thinking and feeling as being alive. And it's not very glamorous to be in neutrality at first because we don't get the benefits of understanding that we are more than our thoughts and more than our emotions. So in the beginning, it's like learning how to meditate in a way. It's it's until we get through that first kind of layer of entanglement in and of ourselves, we don't recognize really the consciousness of who we are. Mm, I love how you're stating this. You know, I remember... Um, reading the Course of Miracles, and 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 I was a fan of Marianne Williamson, and she talked about drama. A lot of people think they need that to feel alive, and I think most people, whether they know it or not, are really looking for more um, alive experience. I know I was. That's why one of the big, big LA, you know, experience, and I wanted 
wanted to be out there. And, and I found that wasn't helping me feel more alive. And once I surrendered the drama with a little D, it made the space for the bigger drama, which was the experience of synchronicity and miracles and just heartfelt connection. And there's a, it's more than peace. It's, uh, it's kind of bliss. So when you bring, you bring up an interesting point too, because oftentimes, like you said, we're very identified with our emotions and thoughts Mm -hmm. and really thinking that if we're not feeling at that depth or having the drama that we're not really alive. And I feel like what we come to recognize as we get older is, is that we are actually suffering. If we're actually aware of our suffering, we tend to want to try to get out of it. But if we don't experience it as suffering and we don't know we're suffering, we won't really look for a different way of doing it or being. Yes. I think that's the gift of pain. You know, in Zen teachings, pain is the universal great awakener. So sometimes that's what we need to to set different intentions or go a different direction. So I thought it was interesting to learn that the word passion, which I think so many people want that experience of passion, really means to suffer. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really, really, really interesting. And and so I I kind of started to eliminate that that word, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I've suffered enough. Right. Or to be so identified with something that you get, you completely merge or lose a sense of center or self into that thing. Mm. That, that's something I like to really kind of sit with because, you know, as my show is called Journey to Center. I do feel like when we reside in that center, that is where we're aligned with that something greater. That is the place where we can experience synchronicity and, and support and, and miracles and, um, to me, that's, that's where I want to reside. So it seems to me from, from what we've talked about, that's what you help people do. Yeah. Kind of come back to center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and actually discover what does that, what does that feel like? What does it mean? And that to really also understand that having an experience of peace or serenity or divine intelligence or consciousness or spirituality is something that is experiential that everyone has access to it. It's not something that you have to be religious for or that you have to have some special technique. It can really just be as simple as finding the ground and beginning to learn how your nervous system actually functions. It's a basic learning in how to be a human being, Mm. which I feel like we all can benefit from knowing and and participating in. And, And it also opens us to empathy for others because we're coming into such a deeper level of knowing ourselves. And it's um, expansive. Mm, I like that word. That's something I definitely aspire to. Yeah. So I remember years ago going to a healer and she was telling me my desire for a really alive life was why I went out there. But it was really to feel very alive. You have to go into the subtleties. And I really had great resistance to that. But as I, as I explored it, that has definitely become my personal experience. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, happened by virtue of, of a lot of different exercises and, and, and things that I've, I've done, the meditation, which I think most of us resist. So um, what are some things that we can do to start exploring that, Angelica? Well, I think something that you just brought up, you know, the subtleties, 
you know, in the beginning, we are quite resistant, I, I, I feel, mm-hmm. to sensing into the subtleties. And, and, you know, consciousness is a very non-linear, non-linear experience. We're really increasing and building muscle for perception. And mm-hmm. as we increase and build muscle for perception, we don't see things so much as either or anymore or black and white which is Mm -hmm. very, in the neuroscientific way, that would be a very young place because it's either safe or it's unsafe. You know, we're very pitched to preferences when we're perceiving in a more kind of, in a not-so-subtle way. But when we start experiencing the subtleties, you know, just from the basic sense body, like what are the sensations in the body? How do my feet feel on the ground? Without, with neutrality, without, it doesn't mean anything. And so when we start to step into that, we actually start to change where we view ourselves from. And we are, in some ways, shuttling our attention, holding more than one layer of perception, which is actually truer to consciousness. Mm. So, you know, we're talking about this. And again, we've talked about this before. But, you know, having the experience of it and talking about it are actually two very different things. So in some ways, we can't do it complete justice, although we can you know, start to touch on what it means, you know, to um, have a expanded perception, to be able to perceive, you know, um, that on one level, we could be happy about one thing, and at the same time, we could be sad about leaving and then happy about finishing something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a way that we have levels of perception, you know, maybe we complete um, a program and we're happy to leave or we're happy to be done, but we're sad to be leaving our friends. No, mm. but you, you know, don't get because, so tangled up in all of those in the emotions. You can have the emotions, but you know you're not your feelings. You know you're right. not your emotions, mm-hmm. right? And actually, part of knowing that you're not one or the other that you're having experiences is actually to perceive that more than one thing is going on at the same time. And how do we sit in the center? And this is one of the biggest challenges for people in general is that we often kind of get held in a tension field or feel like we're in a double bind where neither side feels like a good choice or we don't know what to do and we have to kind of sit with that experience and not do anything. And that can be hard for a lot of people because I think most really resist the discomfort. Right. If you're just talking about a relationship or a job that we want to leave and we want to do something better but we're scared and so we stay in this place of security but we're not happy in that position or we don't, we feel like there's something more for us. Sometimes we, you know, we, we suffer not only physically, but emotionally and mentally, all of that. Absolutely. And I think that's probably why, you know, uh, you know, drinking is so prevalent or maybe right. overeating, you know, there's so many things we right. can do to try to assuage our, our discomfort and to run from ourselves. Although right. none of it Which really break- works. Right, which brings up resources. How do we resource ourselves? And that's one of the ways in which we begin to build and sustain uh, a greater level of presence with our experience. Is that if we're having to use caffeine to wake up and alcohol to go to bed, which is so prevalent, it's there's not we're not really building the window of tolerance for presence. Mm. So I love how you wanna... state that. I love how you state that. So say we have somebody listening right now who's like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm intrigued by this. How how would somebody start to build that window of tolerance if they want to get higher altitude or experience more peace in their lives? What are something, is there something we can do to open up to that possibility? 
Yeah, from a, I mean, from a spiritual perspective, there's always, of course, prayer and learning how to meditate. And I think those are, you know, just sort of basic ones that people have access to. But from a more kind of presence or embodied way, you know, we can always look at, number one, writing down what are the resources that we are using, you know, and are they working for us or are they not working for us? Mm-hmm. And then what are the, you know, so then we get a sense of what are the resources actually are working. And I think we get surprised by some of the everyday resources that we use that actually work, mm-hmm. you know, taking a bath, you know, being with your dog, um, looking at the hummingbirds come to the hummingbird feeder in the morning. You know, there's, there are a lot of things that help us to actually create a, a stronger sense of self and presence when we start to really align ourselves and attune ourselves with using and being with our resources. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that, that is some good suggestions, you know, cause really happiness isn't out there. It's, it's inside of ourselves, you know, it's like, Oh, yeah. I think I'll be happy once I get that job or once I'll get, once I get that date or find the love of my life. But it, 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 and I don't know about anybody else that might be hanging out with us, but often I've gotten what I thought I've wanted and it feels hollow. It feels shallow. It doesn't give me the sustained experience of happiness that I anticipated that it might because it's never out there. It's always in here. Mm -hmm. Right. And the more we keep, the more, you know, I think life is, it's an interesting thing because our society and the collective is so pitched to thinking that life is about a filling up process and really it's about an emptying out process. It and, really is. That's beautifully put. It's, and, it's so true. And, yeah, and I, you know, that's been an intention of mine to be, um, essentially an empty container or a conduit or a paintbrush for spirit to work through. And as I've done that, there has been so much more uh, just synchronicity and support and, and beauty and magic and connection. and Right. And you end it, up feeling it, more full and rich. Know, it's, it. It's, it does seem a little backwards. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that's the word, the great kind of spiritual traditions, you know, the mystery schools and, and all of what was really happening was, is that, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven is here on earth and it's really about this emptying out process and really coming into relationship with one's own uh, center, you know, or own consciousness or soul, whatever the word that works for somebody, their authentic self, you know, and beginning to bond and allow that part to come to the foreground. And it really happens through presence, through regulating our nervous systems and beginning to open to how do we bring the part of us that can perceive the whole the totality into the foreground. How do we prioritize that? And what do we utilize? Because it's an everyday experience. It's not, Mm -hmm. and I think this is the thing that I'm, you know, so inspired by is, is that this is not something that you have to reach out outside of yourself for. It's just learning about coming into a connected relationship with what already is and being facilitated in that is life-changing. I mean, not only will it you know, get you out of anxious anxiety and depression. It also supports you to actually feel the vibration of uh, peace and joy and all of those other places that we seek. I, yeah, I love everything that you're saying. And we're really going to be <laughs> having the opportunity to go more into that. Um, right now, I'd like to know, 
who comes to see you? Is it typically people that are in discomfort or confusion or chaos in their lives? What, what are your clients like? Who, who is your demographic? Well, I work with all kinds of people. I mean, I have a lot of doctors that refer to me for people who have anxiety um, or have insomnia or um, severe TMJ, um, hormonal issues, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, back pain. So those are some of the more medically inclined people. And then I work with a lot of people who are just interested in, um, you know, growth and spiritual growth and deepening into themselves. And maybe they have some of the things going on or they have a relationship challenge. Usually people come, you know, because they're working with something. And then some people just come because they want to deepen and they want the support. Mm. So um, I know you're based in Southern California, Marina Del Rey. Um, uh-huh. What if somebody's in Norway or Pennsylvania or New York or Florida, and they're intrigued by what you're saying. Do you also work with people distance? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I um, do Skype sessions and phone sessions and um, they can go to my website and check out, you know, the other kind of modalities I work with. Okay. And what, what is your website? So it's www.angelicasing.com. So it's A-N-G-E-L-I-C-A-S-I-N-G-H.com. So, I find this all so fascinating and I really, really am intrigued by some of your education and mm-hmm. credentials. You know, you talk about pre and perinatal birth trauma and attachment theory. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means? And, 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 and I'm just fascinated with this subject. So, well, we talked about they, it on the phone. So I want to, mm-hmm. I want to talk more about that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, um, when we're dealing with psychology or the pre- and perinatal field, we start to track um, somatically, so through the body, through the nervous system, and actually through the field. So, again, this is something that we're talking about that isn't going to, you know, we can't translate until we have the experience of it, but we start to um, explore the history, the relevant history of the transgenerational imprints of someone what their mother was going through when before she conceived um, the client and what her history was, what her relationship to her mother was, and beginning to, um, in some ways, allow the imprinting to arise in a session and to really understand what it was that was in the field that was there when you, we were forming as an embryo. So that's mm-hmm. pre and perinatal. So it begins to go back into the layered dynamics of the field. Um, so pre and perinatal birth trauma work is also birth oriented. So they really focus on, or the, the studies really focuses on um, before you were born to like three years old and the mm-hmm. attachment style that you develop with your mother, which, um, you know, begins really with implantation. Mm. It's so, so fascinating. It, we don't think about how that can influence and affect us, but it, of, of course it does. Yes, and it's actually hugely impactful. I mean, the way that we attach to our mothers will impact every kind of relationship we have, whether it's with another person or with a um, a job or, a, or an animal. We have a similar attachment style with all things that we come in contact with. I find this fascinating. I haven't heard it put quite like this before. 
Mm. It is interesting, though, because I work with a lot of people that have had mm, very, very challenging relationships with their mothers. And it can be so hard to unwind or heal, you know, uh, it, it can be just very, very challenging. But that's something that you you it sounds like you really are um, helpful with you. That's what you do. Yeah, and it's it's challenging to when you have those kinds of early attachment dynamics that have been disrupted in one way or the other, um, because you don't. It's so early. There's not a cognitive place to remember it. So mm-hmm. it yes. very much helps to work with the nervous system because it is actually impacting your perception of reality. You know, when we are, we we it tends to limit our our perception of choice. You know, and we do the same things over and over again, or why do I keep doing the same thing? And when we go back to that early place, in some ways we're getting to a more potent area and we're working actually with the nervous system. And that tends to be able to hold that person so that they can open into a new perception and a new possibility and then begin to integrate that because it's a new neural pathway. So there's a new opening. That makes sense. Oh, I love it. I just, I, I just want to sit here and consider what you're saying. It's just there's so much information. It's like I want to, want to marinate in that wisdom for a second yeah. <laughs> before we go to the next question because I just find this, you're, you're stating it in a different way than I've heard it stated before, and I'm just so intrigued by it. You know, this is the best thing about this show is just being able to connect with different teachers and healers and, um. What you do is so rich and and so deep and so profound. Like uh, it it doesn't just soak into my brain. (laughs) I want to sit with this some more. So we're going to go to break. When we get back, Angelica is going to share some more of her profound wisdom with us. And she's going to share with us also some simple resources we can take advantage of to bring greater healing and peace and equanimity to our relationships and help us understand how we can take greater responsibility. We're going to go into that a little bit more when we come back. So hang on. We'll be right back with Angelica Singh. Sassy. Sassy. This week's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Gosh, Johnny, playing in the cave sure is neat. Oh boy, a kitty cat. Sassy, the kitty cat's yelling. What, Sassy? It's not a kitty? It's a bobcat? Speaking of cats, you like to stress the importance of adopting cats from animal shelters? Over 5 million cats go into animal shelters every year? And with millions of healthy cats to choose from, it's a shame more people don't adopt from shelters? This bobcat's heavy. Help, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nuts. Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. License and registration. But I'm walking. Do you want to upset an officer of the law? No, sir. Good. I pulled you over today for littering. Uh, I didn't litter. <laughs> wow. That's what they all say. Unfortunately, I saw you drop a pair of thunder thighs a few blocks back. Probably happened as you were biting into that apple you're holding. Uh, how'd you know they're my thunder thighs? Hmm? Well, my young friend, I'd like to say two years in the police academy helped figure it out. But between us, 
It was smallstep.gov. Smallstep.gov? Yep, Rooney. It's this site with tons of easy ways to lose weight. Some steps are so easy, people don't realize they're doing them. Like you taking small step number 83, snack on fruits. Go to smallstep.gov, you'll see. You can drive off now. I'm still walking. Take a small step to get healthy at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location. In the forest near the side of the road. No need for alarm, sir. The forest is where bears live. But this was no ordinary bear. No ordinary bear? At one second, I'm having a smoke taken in the view. Next thing I know, I am face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Let me guess. Smokey had a tip for you. He did. He must have seen me toss my cigarette on the ground. He told me never to do that because it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. He's a smart bear. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans? That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. That's what Smokey said. I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous, and you're not. Good point. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference, because 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thank you for hanging out with us for a while here at Empower Radio and Journey to Center. Very, very honored to be spending some quality time with you and my amazing guest, Angelica Singh. You've got me thinking, Angelica. You got me feeling, you got me experiencing. I love, I love everything that you're saying and I'm just, I want more. (laughs) So before we went to break, I um, was talking about how you might be able to support us in going deeper, going higher. So maybe some simple tools, how we can get to a place of, of greater um, peace and joy and equanimity and, and then taking responsibility. So, I'm intrigued by this, and I know we have some people hanging out with this that, that are as well. What are some, some things that we can do for ourselves to come into this more um, expanded state of awareness? Well, one really basic thing is to slow down. <laughs> yeah, that's like so most, hard to do. <laughs> well, that's basically what the tools of self-regulation are. They're about slowing down and beginning to open to being more of a witness as opposed to always an active doer or participant. Mm. And not that witnessing isn't participating. It definitely is. Um, So I think slowing down, and one of the ways we can slow down is just by a very basic tool of, you know, sitting and just feeling down where our feet are on the floor and feeling our sit bones or pelvis resting on the chair. Um, and staying out of a lot of extra stimulation, so cell phones mm-hmm. and, and you know computers. I mean, all of that stuff is moving very quickly, and it's definitely impacting our capacity to be with ourselves. You know, to come into a more centered place. Um, just working with the nervous system and feeling down in your body, we start to slow down immediately if we just kind of shuttle our attention from one foot to the other. And just going slowly and then feeling the left leg and then the right leg and noticing the subtle differences. 
is the left leg feeling heavier or is the right leg feeling heavier? And of course, again, it doesn't mean anything. We're just hanging out in neutrality and observing down in our body, which will pretty quickly slow us down um, into a more settled state and begin to get us out of kind of an alert place and into a more uh, calm and more sort of balanced state. I love this. I'm feeling very mellow all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even if you just talk about it and you start noticing your feet and noticing your sit bones, everything can really start to slow down. And we start to experience everything uh, not as so quickly coming at us and more just kind of as a part of things, part of the field that we're in. Um, and then also using resources that work for us. So you know, um, like I was mentioning earlier, like I love to be with my dog in the morning. It's a great ritual for me. And it's um, immediately start to um, connect with what we call this new discovery of the social nervous system, which was um, basically coined by a scientist called Stephen Porges, who did some research with autistic kids and basically began to understand that the social nervous system is a way that we actually make connection and we're able to feel empathy for others by making eye contact and physical contact and that children need this. And, you know, in today's day and age where everyone's sort of, we're all connecting by bite size and, you know, texting and uh, Facebook, we're not really making strong connections, which help us regulate our nervous systems and feel balanced. We're, we're not, we're living in a lot more isolation, especially in urban environments, and we're not really having those connections. So that's, that's wonderful. So strong Connections helps um, soothe our nervous systems. Is that what you said? Yeah, and and it helps regulate and, regulate. and we're healthier for that. Yeah, and you know, of course, then there's that double bind place where some people will. I don't, you know, I have a hard time making relationship. Well, this is where we need to start making relationship to ourselves. And you talked about mm-hmm. responsibility, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a it's a Self-responsibility in the beginning is very challenging, I've found, with most people. And then once we get into it, we experience it more as a rich bath of empowerment. So, Mm. I just like your words. I like the way you communicate. It's very, it's almost, it is, it's very feeling oriented. It's almost sensual. So it's just, it's soothing. It's very soothing how you, how you speak. Yeah, well, I I do feel that, you know, when we really embody that intelligence, we learn through resonance, actually, not through the mind. You know, we we, we don't pick things up through intellect. We pick them up through vibration. And when children feel safe and they're having that social nervous system contact and they feel like there's a container, they get more curious. And in their curiosity, they start to embody what they're learning. You know, and I feel like that's something that we're unfortunately getting, uh, you know, it's diminishing more and more the more sped up society gets. That's that. I believe that's really, really true. And I don't think it's a lot of people's intention, it's especially my experience here in L.A., to slow down. It's everybody's in overdrive and pushing. And it is pretty fascinating how different areas you have different experiences. I live part time in Boise and I was just in Maui. And it is a, it's a completely different gear. It's a completely different vibration. And after spending a week retreat in Maui, I came back to LA and people don't look at you. They look down and they push and they shove. And I think 
you know, there's just, there's so many people here. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost unnatural, you know, because if you take your time and smile, you're probably going to get run over or somebody's going to step on you to get over you <laughs> to the other side. It's, it's a very, very, very different experience. Right. And, and if I, you look at that through the nervous system lens, everyone is dysregulated and in hyper, hyper, they're in hypervigilant sympathetic overdrive, which is going to start to depress the immune system and eventually lead to some form of dis-ease, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's unhappiness or, or actually an immune problem. Yeah, I read somewhere, and, and you probably know more about this than I do. It seems like it's your area of expertise, but 85% of disease is stress-related. Yeah. That was fact, fascinating. Yeah, and James Jellis, actually a very um, prominent osteopath, he's in New Hampshire now, he said that 80% of all uh, disease is from a nervous system disorder. Wow. So th- this is hugely important. To st- if you're talking, it's the same, we're basically quoting the same thing. It's stress yes. is a nervous system issue, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. it's uh, central nervous system. So if we learn how to work with our nervous systems and we have an experience actually where we feel more connected and less separate, we're going to feel better about ourselves and actually be healthier. And have better connections with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's what Stephen Porges' work is, is that that was essential. You know, so the neuroscience is backing up age-old wisdom and it's really our job to wake up and begin to come into relationship with ourselves and with each other in a healthier way. I love that science and spirituality are kind of merging, colliding and merging. It's very, a very exciting time. (laughs) And that's what I really see you doing, Angelique. It's like, you're really a bridge, bridge between these worlds and a bridge for people, you know, to come back to a more heart centered, uh, awakened state of being. Yeah. Yeah, and and actually to feel, um, I think so often people don't recognize that those experiences will actually make them feel more liberated and empowered, you know, and and not knowing what that feels like, what it's going to be like for them when they come around the bend, you know, Mm -hmm. that it is really about emptying out and coming into a more simple relationship with ourselves that is very doable. It's not airy-fairy. It's not you know, out in the ether, although it can be if, you know, we want it to be that way. And at the same time, we're very, we can stay very grounded in, in reality of being here. And what does that mean to live a sustainable life and actually to create a sustainable collective environment? Well, and and everything you're saying to me brings me to the word balance. We're Mm -hmm. spiritual beings having this human experience and how do we um, make peace with this and bring this into balance? And, and enjoy it more, you know, allow it to be more fulfilling and, and heaven on earth, if you will. Yes, and that we can interact with our environments in a sustainable way that, you know, we don't see the ecosystem or other people as separate, you know, that we're all interacting as a part of one totality that is mm-hmm. sustainable. Mm-hmm. Very, very good point. What we do to others, we do to ourselves. It's karma. Law of attraction, you know, it's what the the, uh, masters have been telling us for a long time. And um, I know it's true. So something we talked about that I would like to explore a little bit more is the mystery. Being okay with the mystery of life. Because I think so many people want to understand intellectually what's going on and, and, 
intellectually, we're never going to get there. That isn't going to get us to the place of expansive awareness and, and peace and fulfillment. So can you talk a little bit more about the mystery and, and, and what that means going into it and allowing it? What, what does that mean to you? Well, it, it seems to me that, you know, when we're on uh, a journey, whether we're conscious of whether we're on one or not, you know, at some point you recognize that there's, you know, the universe is so full of intelligence and there's no way that the mind could ever possibly com- comprehend what goes on. And there are also, you know, a lot of events in our own lives and in a collective, in our collective lives that the mind just simply cannot understand. And it's, you know, the part of science that becomes um, somewhat, um, you know, disembodied, I guess is a good way of saying it, because we're not actually staying in connection to the totality or the whole of what's happening. We're only looking at one specific piece. And modern Mm -hmm. science, Western medicine is this way, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't go to a doctor that looks at the whole you know, you go to a lung specialist for this, but maybe you're having a kidney problem and it's showing up in your lung and then you're at a lung specialist and they can't really help you with your issue. So there's all kinds of ways that um, we, don't, we don't come into relationship with the mystery because it's too frightening, because the mind is so dominant in our experience. And part of learning or training ourselves back into wholeness is by having mindful experiential practices that begin to open us to relationship to that which we don't know. And, you know, you know, the ego or the mind is, is, is very caught up in defending itself, mm-hmm. and defending, defending what it is that it sees as a risk based on our early experiences, um, you know, pre and perinatal or early childhood, whatever it is. And that affects our perception, which affects, you know, our brain and how we look at things. So coming into the relationship with the mystery is a lot about coming back to center again and having, you know, in the spiritual terms, we could call it humility. But oftentimes people are traumatized. So there's, you know, asking them to come into humility is like asking them to give up the one thing that really worked for them, you know, their survival mm-hmm. strategy. Yes. And and that survival strategy is not a bad thing. It's ingenious. It's brilliant. We wouldn't be here. If yes. I didn't know how to be really smart when I was a kid, I wouldn't be here now. Yes. So, yes. so part of it, you know, unraveling, you know, what it is that's in our way of being with the mystery and, and being a part of it and, and feeling ourselves in it is by, number one, appreciating what we've done well that may not be working for us anymore. Yeah, you know? that, that's important to explore for sure. So I'll give you just you know, a really be basic open to that. Yeah. So just a really basic example is, is that like, you know, if I start to have a little bit of anxiety about something because I have an old pattern coming up or I'm afraid someone won't like me or something like that. The first thing I do in my body is I notice the sensation of that and I just immediately go into appreciating, wow, I'm really scared right now. And I invite in an appreciation to mirror back to me my experience from an appreciating place and immediately it'll start to change. Mm. Or, or you, if I, you bring up one of my favorite subjects. Our bodies are really tuning forks. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But it seems to me uh, so many people are at odds with their, their 
physical selves, you know, uh, wanting to lose weight or judging it because it doesn't look the way they think it should. So they're not listening to it deeply or honoring it. They're busy trying to um, manipulate it either physically or, you know, again, like what you had mentioned with alcohol and caffeine, they're not really thinking of their bodies as a good friend and a tuning fork. No, we're not. We're coming into relationship. We're still sort of seeing ourselves subjectively or objectively from outside instead of mm. sensing self. I like that. That's true. I know. I know that was my reality in the past when uh, I was having challenging relationships. The pattern I was seeing is why am I always objectified? And I had to finally get to the place of asking myself, "Do I objectify myself?" And right, I really absolutely. did. I really did. But I couldn't feel it until I had that awareness. Right. And it's a learned behavior. It it is. It absolutely is. And 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 I also struggle with it. it, it, I guess it is. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, how do I get attention? How do I get love? It was by looking a certain way. Right. And then, yes. What do you what do you have to say? No. And just perceiving when we perceive things from the outside in, it's as though we're looking at ourselves through the eyes of our mother. We have to orient and identify with who they are, and then we learn to pitch our own, our own ideas and our own beliefs about ourselves to what they were, we're, we're tuning to the outside in instead of the inside out, which you could call self-abandonment. You know, you could call it at some point it becomes self-betrayal. Depends on how we look at it. But when we start to come back and have an inside-out experience, at first that's threatening because we're giving up the survival strategy. Yeah, and we don't really like to do that most of the time as human beings. It's not natural. <laughs> no, no. Well, it comes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like being okay with a mystery. It's like surrendering mm-hmm. to something um, greater than ourselves. And most people don't don't relish the notion of surrender right out of the gate unless things are really, really tough for them. And And I think it's important to consider, you know, that age-old question, is the universe a safe and loving place or not? And if you don't think it is, how are you going to, how are you going to surrender to it? You know? So, right. So for me, that's been so important to really open my mind and it didn't start experientially. It started intellectually. Right. You know what? I'm going to experiment with this notion that perhaps the universe is safe, that the world is safe. Perhaps I right. am loved and I'm going to experiment with this. And if it doesn't work, I'll go back to this other way of being that's not working. Right. And Which once I, I, that. I opened my, my mind to it and started exploring exploring it. I never, never did have to go back to that other way of being. Yes. Yes. And that's that, that edgy place right there of being able to trust that just for a moment that you could try something different. Yeah. And it was because, you know, it's that saying, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And I didn't like what I had. (laughs) Right. So I I was going to, I was at a fork in the road. It's like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try this now because this is clearly isn't working. And, and something else that you said that I really liked, I talk about this as well, working from the outside in versus the inside out. I have a book manifesting love from the inside out. I'm working on conscious prosperity, consciousness from the inside out, because I think when we're trying to work from the outside in, we're playing to a mirror we're playing to some sort of illusion. And you're stating it in a different way than I'd considered it before. We're playing to our early experiences or patterns in relationship to primarily our mothers. Right. Right. I 
find this fascinating. I'm going to have to sit and think about this. So what about our fathers? What about our fathers? Are they also really um, part of this whole foundation of our of ourselves here, our human experiences this time? Or do you, do you feel it's pretty consistently the mother? Um, I, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a balance, you know, it's a balance of both masculine and feminine, you know, contribution to who we are because we're both, we are both masculine and feminine, whether or not we're a female in body or a male in body. Um, it's just because the mother's impact in terms of her, um, she just has a lot more early connection because she's yeah, growing. Yeah, the physiology, with, yeah, the, the, yeah. Connection, the phys- physical connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're the ones that, they're the givers of life. You know, so there is that kind of deep contact that is um, a bit mysterious in a way, but that's not to take away from, you know, our father's impact on us. And also the way that our father relates to our mother has a big impact on us. If they're very supportive and very loving towards the mother, that definitely relieves, you know, our early stress as an infant, but if we don't experience the mother as being supported, then we end up having to carry a bit more, you know, Hmm. in really, in really uh, energetic ways, you know, we're sort of little sponges and we'll sort of mop up everything that's in, in the family dynamic that isn't being dealt with as a survival strategy. And it is so interesting how it's all kind of, um, uh, organized here on planet earth because again what you had said earlier and i know it's true we don't we don't have like conscious memory of what happened when we were like one or two and everything that that happened then starts to create that foundation right and, and it's very much into, informing yeah yes yeah it, it weaves into our our subconscious mind and our psyche and and we're building on this and and we don't really have access not consciously to it anyway. Right. And it's, it's building into literally how you perceive. So, you know, there's a, another term, you know, called mirror neurons, which is um, actually an Italian scientist discovered mirror neurons through some studies they did with some chimpanzees. And they realized that, you know, we are neurons, we have a neuro, neuronal system that mirrors that we take in the mirroring from. So if, if our mothers aren't looking at us with kindness, it's almost like our mirror neuron system is not turned on to, to attract in kindness. You know, we'll sort of go back just like, you know, we, you know, it's the same. It's just a different avenue of talking about the things that you're, you know, you already talk about so much on your show and how you, what you know so well is, is that literally your perception is not to go towards, it's to go towards what's familiar. Yes. So to wake up out of that is to really have to have, you know, that spark of mystery inside of us to have the soul online enough to go, oh, I need to anchor myself somewhere else because this isn't working for me anymore. I like it. And again, yeah, you're stating it in a different way than I've heard it um, expressed before. And it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. I feel like yeah, it's like I meant Nordstrom's in the three-way mirror. And I'm like, oh, I've never looked at it from that angle before. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But it's all going to the, the same place. We're all sort of, you know, perceiving the same thing. Yeah, it's really fun, this human experience. What a trip. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's beautiful that we can have plasticity. I mean, that's the other kind of new science in this is that there's neuroplasticity. 
which is that you can build brain connections. You know, we can build on who we are, that we're not using so much of what's there. And when we start to exercise and give different experiences, we build new neural pathways and we build new muscles, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for experience of love and compassion and whatever it is we want to create for ourselves. Yeah, that is something I talk about so much in, in my mm-hmm. practice and just in conversation. What is it you want out there? What is it? How do you want to be treated? Well, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you see, hear, and recognize yourself now? And sometimes right. people look at me like, what? <laughs> right. It does not compute, you know? But really, however you want to be treated, really sit with that and consider how you can treat yourself that way. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it's always fascinating to see how quickly things can be reflected back to you, how, how different, mm-hmm. how, how, how things can shift on, so fast. It, it's mm-hmm. like the universe is winking right away. Like, oh. This stuff really does work. The inside out mm-hmm. method really does work. Mm-hmm. Well, I am fascinated to know, Angelique, we don't have a lot of time here, but I, I have to know, you're such a young woman. Clearly, you're an old soul and, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you're, you're so wise for your years. How did you get to this place? What I mean, typically people don't embark on this path until, you know, they've experienced things that don't work. But I'd be really interested in knowing how you've gotten to this, this career path or how you've gotten to this place in your life? Well, a lot of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually a gift, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, yeah. A lot of suffering, you know, karma, I guess. Um, I just, you know, I had a very early awakening. You know, I had a serious spiritual awakening when I was in my 20s. So um, I think that that, you know, and I grew up with, you know, medical doctors and, you know, physicians in every aspect of my life. Everyone in my family was in that lineage. So I grew up in it and I, I, I honestly think it, it's just karma. I just knew from a very young age that I loved helping people and I also knew from a very young age that I was suffering. <laughs> so I think sometimes, you know, that wasn't a gift then. I had, you know, it was challenging, a lot of obstacles and, you know, I wouldn't change any of it. And, um, you know, we all have potential, you know, and that potential gets, um, you know, potentiated with the right circumstances. So I think I had the right circumstances and I just been through the ringer, you know, and, and yeah. so it's very easy yeah. for me to be with people of all kinds, people that have been near death experiences, you know, you name it, I've kind of been through it. So. Right. Yeah. I hear you. You know, it's like, I think the wounded healer, which it sounds like you clearly are, Um, is the most effective kind of healer there is because it's not just theory. You've experienced it. So you can really, there's a relatedness to other people that are in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your humanness, you know, and, and, you know, I had severe, severe anxiety and panic disorder when I was younger. Very, the most severe I'd ever, I've ever seen in anyone else. And, Mm. and I couldn't take, I couldn't take any kind of like antidepressant. I wasn't able to, my body and my nervous system is too sensitive so I wasn't able to do any of that. And um, so I think, you know, it just kind of put me on the path of, I just went towards what worked for me. And I feel like that's the best advice really is, you know, that what resonates with us usually is what works for us, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And that's, 
that's been my my path as well what works for you and then take responsibility for again that responsibility word for our own healing and let our lives Mm -hmm. be the living example of what we believe Angelica, this went by so fast. Well, I want I you know. to hang on the line so we can continue the conversation. In the okay. meantime, if you want to go, if you want more of Angelica, and I know I do, go to her website, angelicasing.com. That's going to be up on our website at Empower Radio. And also, if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at tammybphd at gmail.com or go to my website, tammybphd.com. That's spelled with an I. And Brent Carey, thank you so much for this forum called Empower. I just love it. I'm just beyond grateful. Thank you, Chris, for your producing skills. Thank you, listeners, for hanging out with us. God bless you. May you spiral upward with grace and ease. Hope to connect with you soon. Bye for now.